Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. Hey, Lions. How's it going? It was going fine right up until we decided to start the show uh, oh. because, well, no, that, <laughs> that that part's never been fine. <laughs> That's devastating, man. Like, I mean, imagine walking up to somebody like, how are you doing? Great till I started talking to you. No, no. What happened is, uh, I don't know if I actually have told you that I do this, but um, I have a browser window open that has like image references from the game we played. Just like help keep details fresh in my mind because it's, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, George. So it's it's easier sometimes to have a visual reference over a, a text description in my show notes. And uh, the part that I say kind of went off the rails in the last 30 seconds is uh, this game has some female characters in it. And, you know, the Internet being what it is, uh, there are things here that I would say are not strictly image reference for the game <laughs> based on my experience of the game. Yeah, that's uh, that's always a bummer. I just, you know, <laughs> but. But, you know, we, we we were just talking about before the show started how there's just some things that you can just kind of say that you can tack on to the end of any sentence. And I mean, and it'll just kind of make sense. And sex sells, man. Sex sells. Yeah. Kid Icarus, Nest Game. It's great. That is, sex that is sells. a callback <laughs> reference just for us. Like, yeah, we made that, that joke in the pre-show. And now we're doing a callback to something that, that that's just for us. What did so we, we play? <laughs> <laughs> that segue. Kid, Kid Icarus, <laughs> the original Kid Icarus. They they did do a much later remake of this. That's the version everybody's familiar with from Smash Brothers. This is the NES OG. Yeah, they, originally he was Kid Kid Gorgeous, then pre- Kid Presentable, then Kid Gruesome, then Kid Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reference. <laughs> I was proud of it. But uh, 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 July July first, nineteen eighty seven, when this game came out. Um, and it, it feels like it. Right? Oh man, it does. Like like God, how how old were you at that point in time? And what was your mother's maiden name? You know, like it's just it's crazy. A <laughs> <laughs> smooth. Um, so uh, my nostalgic goggles uh, experience, or my yeah, my nostalgic experience for this game. Um, I don't think I actually owned this game, but this was uh, at a point in my life when almost all of my video game playing was with my older brother and with his friends who also owned a lot of video games. So if we didn't own it, it was like one of the kids within like a two house range owned it. So I was, you know, playing it a lot and then suddenly not playing it at all for like 30 years. So like I, I have this really narrow specific memory from a fairly young age uh, and th- and that's like it's like trapped in that little capsule of like I more remember like my brother and the Nintendo and the living room and less the game. But it's like memories are conjured. They're just tightly wired to like other much stronger memories. Interesting. Yeah. So for me, um, I'm going to I'm going to take you on a quick journey. So for my nostalgia experience with it. So, uh, uh, you know, this character pit came out for brawl melee 
Brawl. Uh, I think Brawl. Yeah. Brawl. Um, so I played a, a, a whole lot of melee and a fair amount of Brawl, right? So, you know, I was, I was familiar with Pit and Kid Icarus. And, and so I had built this game. This, this game was the, the thought experiment of like being able to implant memories. So I played Smash Brothers so much and by extension was so familiar with Pit that I had built up the game of Kid Icarus in my mind as this like huge sprawling thing. Cause I just slowly designed it in my head by accretion over years, you know, where I was like, Oh yeah, you know, it probably has this. And then they put a new stage in and then my brain would like incorporate that stage, you know? So uh, I have no nostalgia experience for this, except for the <laughs> fact that my brain has told me that I have played this game before. Obviously I have, because I have memories of it and that is how fickle human memory is. Yeah. So, you know, but as as we have both said before, uh, you know, perfect illusion, like your brain thinks you played this made up game. And can you prove you didn't? Uh, Yeah, because then if if that is true, if I did play the game and I am remembering it correctly, then I have suffered substantial brain damage since that time, because the both of those things could be true. It can be. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm still hanging out with you. Oh, (laughs) boom <laughs> run a <and> roll <laughs> <laughs> um but no i mean like the, the, yeah it's uh it's it, this is not <laughs> it, it, this is not what i was picturing this is just <laughs> <laughs> that that's fair and uh, <laughs> the things that i'm seeing are also not what i was picturing so we're we're both coming at this from uh, a similar position here um the last thing i want to say before we shill is uh you and i kind of you know the back channel have gone back and forth about like whether or not the manual from games of this era counts. And I think we both put forward very like salient erudite arguments, you know, we we did, right? Like we, we, we sort of fell on opposite sides of it, but I think for me, the legend of Zelda, the original Ness legend of Zelda, uh, and now this game have confirmed to me that the eight bit generation they expected you to read the book to the point where they do not build in fail safes. So um, I did read through the entire manual. I had unfortunately already done quite a few hours of playtime before I did that, but I did ultimately end up reading through the entire manual and, and I have uh, filtered this game into the category of manual required. Like you, you cannot learn in a reasonable amount of time, right? Like as T goes to infinity, right? But in a reasonable amount of time, you cannot stress test all of the mechanics in this game. They need to be explained to you because the game doesn't do that. So all of that being said, like whenever we, from this point on, like I am vowing to read the manual. You don't have to, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that an unreasonable experience. Cause like rental stores often didn't include the manual. Your cousin who left everything in a pile on the floor, instead of putting them nicely back in the box may not have had the manual. Right. So like, but the game expects you to have the manual. Yes. And I think that, and, and I think that's probably wise for, you know, and we'll play it by ear because I mean, it's not like we're, we're, we're held to like some kind of standard, you know, from a government thing. Like you, <laughs> you have to produce this quality of podcast. I mean, the, we're, the we're, international yeah. critics, board. Yeah, we're just going to faff about online and, and, and see, <laughs> see who listens. But that being said is I, I think that it's, it's kind of a good mini control to say, you know, okay, well lions, you'll read the manual and I won't, you know? And so, you know, 
how how important was the manual? Because if I'm like, this is the diaries of a madman, and you say, no, it made perfect sense. I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's oh well, then that manual is uh, pretty pretty hypercritical because I <laughs> you did send um, send me a copy of the manual, like some some pictures of it, and uh, and I read it once, but I had already done the bulk of my playing, so most of my experience is sans manual on this one. Yeah. So fun, fun, uh, more, more, you know, behind the scenes. So Nintendo very generously, uh, has actually put a bunch of their old manuals on their official website, high quality scans for maybe not all Nintendo games, but like a crap load of their games, right? Because they just know people want to look through them and, you know, feel nostalgic. And like the internet archive has indexed a bunch of stuff. There are like, semi-legitimate like library places that you can get these and i tried to send you a link to the official resource and it just wouldn't load so i ended up finding like some kid who scanned it like in his dorm (laughs) for you know and then just dispersed it online i was like well i was trying to give him like the legal thing but i guess i'm just gonna (laughs) give him this like bootleg version so uh shill oh we have to um yeah man we we have to not just because uh, everyone who listens, who rates and reviews, who talks to us on Twitter, we don't just have to thank them because they're all beautiful people. Um, but I got to have not only did I have access to the manual, which I, I would argue for a game like this is like flat out required. I got to have the uh, year 2020 version of playing this at my friend's house where my friend is the expert because I was streaming this pre manual reading and someone came into the stream and basically was like, nah, nah, man, here's everything you're doing wrong. Here's everything you're doing wrong. <laughs> and just, it, it was literally like the older brother, you know, older sibling coming into the room and just being like, no, see if you, if you duck here, then you won't get hit by that. And you know, don't buy this because later you're going to find one in a pot for free. And like, just, just every little, like, and I was just like, whoa and and this this guy i think it was a guy um based on the the handle he had um but this person just drilling the bejesus out of me he was like no dude don't give i know it's really hard but if you do this you'll get enough points to unlock this upgrade and if you don't get the upgrade this next level is basically impossible so don't feel bad about not being able to beat that 10 minutes ago like just this serious like cheerleading session it was weird but like really awesome that's <laughs> so, awesome yeah. that's really cool yeah yeah i was like i feel and you know because i am a younger sibling you're a, a bastard only child um but i did have that gaming experience where like i would be doing something in sim city or final fantasy and my brother would be walking past my room and just be like don't do that it's like oh <laughs> but but i but i like the way it looks this way and he's like yeah but it's stupid because this is the way better way to do it I'm like oh okay yeah to, to be fair, I'm getting that experience now with Teddy as as I am the older brother because I'm like, no, Teddy, don't do that. That's that's a bad call. No, pre- <laughs> nah, press nah. this button. No, <laughs> not 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 like that, man. Okay, no, but then do the other thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, that's that, that's really cool. And did we mention our uh, 16-bit? Oh no, human? they they always get final billing because uh, our 16-bit heroes are in fact the greatest of all of us. Yes. Oh yes. yeah. No, they because because we are we are all living in an 8-bit world. But they are 16 bit. Yeah. Uh, it's so twice as many bits. It, it is. It's at least twice as. I mean, who can know for sure? But it's at know. least twice as many. You should. You speak the language of math. <laughs> I do. Um, but but Jacob, thank you for being our 16 bit hero patron. Um, all of our patrons are beautiful. Uh, Jacob is beautiful enough to have his name spoken. Exactly. 
And every, anyone could be beautiful enough to have their name spoken. It's true. Yes. Just like in all of American society, in exchange for money, you too can be beautiful. <laughs> Who's paying me to yell at this guy? I can answer that question for money. <laughs> all right. Visuals? Visuals. Let's do it. Um, so, you know, this game, this game definitely has visuals. Honestly, as far as like visuals for the sake of visuals, I kind of like the way this game looks, you know? Um, it, I'm, it's, I'm with you. I think it looks yeah, great. Yeah, you know, like it, it, it at least looks as, as good as or on par with like, uh, Super Mario Brothers or um, you know, Zelda. Again, it, it doesn't quite have. Um, and I'm, I'm talking OG Zelda. I didn't really like the way Zelda Two looked as much. Um, but it, 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 Zelda has something going for it in the sense of it because it is that three quarters top down view. It's a little bit easier to render some stuff. But no, I mean the. The game is is visuals for the sake of visuals. It, it, it's very good. Um, it has uh, a lot of varied enemy designs. Um, the enemies are are uh, weird looking, but they're supposed to be weird looking. They're mythical creatures, you know. Um, yeah, they're, they're you, demons and monsters and stuff. Yeah, they're 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 evil. Um, so yeah, I mean, as as far as visuals for the sake of visuals, I think the game looks uh, looks very good. It's uh, it's 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 enjoyable. It is visually enjoyable. So I know on the podcast we played Super Metroid and we played um, the original Castlevania. Have you played or seen the original Metroid for the Nintendo? I've seen it. Yes. Okay. So does this game not look like Metroid with some Castlevania stuff? Because it's like the the creepy demon elements look very drawn in like a there's like a lot of bubbles that look kind of reminiscent of the alien stuff in metroid and then there's like columns and and bricks and stonework that's very reminiscent of like castlevania like this game i don't i don't actually know on the timeline where this would fall i think this came after both of those games but it to me it looks a lot like someone was very inspired by the original metroid and the original castlevania and they were like these games look good let's use this as inspiration for our artwork and and to great effect like it that they do a lot of smart things with colors which the original castlevania did um and metroid actually so like when you're in different areas um they do a lot with uh thing like sparse things in the background so that it's not sucking tons of rendering power but that it still prevents the world from feeling like a black void like it's just I, once my brain was like, oh, this feels sort of like the way the original Metroid looks like, I just can't get that idea out of my head. Well, and, and they do a good job because uh, you mentioned you mentioned the background is that uh, one is it is very clear, at least from my seat, what was what's in the background and what's in the for like what stuff you can actually interact with, you know. Uh, so first of all, initially, um, because it did read the manual, uh, you're supposed to be kind of going up up like a cave basically you're 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 in an underworld prison so you're ascending out of the underworld right um so yeah the the whole first let's call it stage is vertical right and so it makes sense that the background would be black because you're in you're in a, a dark cave you know so i mean that that was kind of a good place where they used the the visuals and said like okay this is what we can make the stage look like so how can we narratively support that? Um, and then the things that they put kind of in the, the the background, right? You know, like the pillars or sometimes they do some kind of stonework and stuff like that. Um, it's just, it's very, very clear. It's faded. It's kind of 
you know, darkened a little bit. So, or it has a bunch of kind of black lines through it. So it's just very clear that that's not something that's going to impede your progress, you know? Yeah. Um, And and I don't think they ever violate that. I don't think there's ever a time when something like pops out of the background and then it makes you nervous. Like it, it gets to stay set dressing. Right. There, there is no home alone two syndrome (laughs) happening here. Um, so I do think that they did a good job leveraging their resources as, in terms of, of visuals and world building, you know? So uh, they, they it feels, this world, it feels like a world, you know? Which is, again, something that, you know, Zelda, Mario Brothers kind of did. I mean, for instance, for Super Mario Brothers, you know, they kind of did the opposite, where in the beginning, it's a bright, sunny world where everything's awesome. And then at the end, it's dark and awful because you're getting closer to Bowser. In this one, you're ascending out of, you know, a cave prison and uh so it's all dark and then you get on to like the the top level and you know there's there's blue skies and lollipops or whatever there is up there so um so i thought that the the visual again you go up through the the oompa loompa world (laughs) and visuals for the sake of storytelling i thought were uh were really good um gonna have to crap on visual affordances for what stuff is and what it does for you because that sans the manual um is not well telegraphed at all you know one of the one of the special items you can pick up is a credit card and think about mm-hmm. the theming of this world right that, that was sloppy i did not like that at all it's i mean i get what i don't know they they should have done like a fake gem or something like that you trick the evil merchant with so that it's like on theme but the freaking credit card come on guys but Dude. <laughs> a bill of credit yeah. like that no because that that would have been awesome because you know when i because again like you know what a credit card is you know but a bill of credit the first time i became semi aware of what a bill of credit was was when i was 33 and read the count of monte cristo you know <laughs> which is so, that awesome scene where he's talking to um monsieur Vifer, you know and he's just kind of like you know oh well here's a 500 million dollar credit or 500 whatever you know He's like, but if you don't like the one from that bank, I have this other one. And he's just basically making it rain bills of credit. And Bifur is like, oh, my God, this guy's super rich like that. But it could have just been a little writ of, you know, a writ of credit. But a credit card, it's like, why'd you do that? What was that about? Yeah. Everything else. It's the only one that's like that. It's the only one that's that achronistic well, and, and anachronistic. Even weirder is the currency is hearts, which implies that there's a bank vault full of hearts somewhere. Yeah, or that <laughs> like the hearts represent. No, that makes sense. Okay, so you pay for stuff in life force, right? Because that's why you get hearts from killing things. Oh, you dear know. God. <laughs> yeah. No. So no. Let's do this. So you you suck <laughs> the life out of stuff, right? So and then you you improve you improve your own life force, right? And so that's which is why when you die, you lose all your hearts. You know, and so. Um, Ooh, so but, then that's but how you know what it is. The reason you don't just level up, right? It's currency. It's not experience. Is because they're the hearts of demons, and you yeah. can't you can't take that into you, but you can carry them around, right? So basically, when you use the credit card, you are forswearing that you will give them some additional blood of demons. Yeah. So at a later period of time, you're, you're signing a murder contract at that point. Yeah, you basically are, are a bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately this all checks out and i have no notes yeah that's assuming that the demons are sentient otherwise i think you'd be closer to like a exterminator they sure seem to have a will 
Yeah. And and then 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 we get into real, some real fuzzy area because like you definitely don't want to be called an exterminator if the thing you're exterminating is people like that's not yeah nope not um, and then we suddenly <laughs> had to back off this um, yep and we stopped <laughs> so anyway uh, it kind of looks like Metroid but I think um, throughout uh, and 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 I, I want to talk about this more in mechanics but we have to mention here since we're talking about the ascending out of the underworld and then going on the overworld and then ascending to the sky palace the levels literally move in this way so the first level is vertical the second level is horizontal and so on and so on in kind of a zigzag pattern right until you get to the end and i think that's kind of neat mechanically and and we'll definitely have more to say i'm sure but i think just visually you think of like mario metroid castlevania mega man right like all these contemporaries of this game and sometimes they make you go vertical often when you're going vertical you're dropping or you're not going vertical for a particularly long time because it's a giant pain in the ass and it's really frustrating when you fall and die. But this game from literally the first thing you do in the first level, they're like climb out of this hole that yeah. like d- prove to us that you're worthy of, of saving Palatina, like climb out of this hole pit, <laughs> crawl out of this pit. <laughs> but I, I think it's interesting that like when you, <laughs> That was funnier than that. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just visually really interesting that like you start and the, the very first uh, like little thing you do is like you walk all the way right, which feels super familiar if you've played any video games. Right. But then you have to jump up and walk all the way left. And it's like, oh, sometimes you're going to go to the left and then you have to jump up. And now you start platforming and you see like, oh, I'm this is all vertical. Um, a visual affordance that is super not conveyed. And I don't think they honestly even mentioned this in the manual because this is just a weird time in history is on the vertical stages, you have screen wrap and the levels are designed to require that. Correct. But uh, agreed. Um, However, uh, if I remember correctly, um, within the first minute of playing the game, um, you they the the game's design forces you to recognize that like yes. it's game yeah you, you yeah, cannot you, proceed without screen wrapping correct you know and it's 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 not perfectly obvious because it did take me a quick minute where I was like oh, I don't know what to do but uh but then I was like oh okay there's screen wrapping and then and and there's a couple of other places beyond that where they it's very advantageous to for you to screen wrap um. So they, they kind of drill it into you a little bit, but I did, I was impressed with that gating mechanic. Where I was like, no, good. I'm glad that you did that because otherwise I very easily would have gotten very far before having to ask my big brother, like, how do I get through this? And he's, oh yeah, you just wrap around. And then I would have been very frustrated. Yeah. Which almost makes me feel like even then, right. Even, you know, let, let's say this game was made in, in less than a year. Cause at this time in history, that that's pretty common. So all through 1986, they're designing this game for release the following year, probably 1985, because I'm sure it came out earlier in Japan. And they're they're we looking get the watered down version. We probably did, <laughs> and they're they're designing these levels, and they're pulling from the arcade where there's lots of screen wrapping, right? Pac-Man screen wraps, screen wrapping all over the damn place. And even then, even at this time in history, they were like it's not obvious that this is a thing you can do. So we're going to have to force this to be the one and only solution to a problem so that people know that later this may potentially be a solution to a problem. And that's right. 
that I mean, obviously, looking even just a few years into the future, let alone the you know three intervening decades, uh, it turns out screen wrapping is not really that fun, and future games really abandoned that mechanic pretty aggressively. I can't think of a single Super Nintendo game that has screen wrapping. I'm sure that there are, but like there is not even one example that's popping into my mind that isn't like a port of an arcade classic or something. Like that's that's yeah. a very arcade and early Nintendo, which had a lot of arcade ports. Like that's a very, very early video games thing. And once you start to rebuild that muscle memory, you start to look at the stage as if it's kind of like wrapped around a cylinder. But and it's like that's not it's not obvious because it's not wrapped around a cylinder. Like you look at the world and you're just like, oh, I guess I have to jump off the right side of the screen to land over there on the left side of the screen. And that's just, that's even for all the time that I put into this, like I still had to keep reminding myself, like I can go off the edge of the screen. I can go off the edge of the screen. Well, especially because that's, that's something where it's like the, uh, X versus O thing in PlayStation, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Confirm versus cancel. Yeah. And and it's, it's very similar to that because, um, literally in a game we just played tiny Toons adventure, Buster bust loose, uh, going off the edge of the screen kills you, you know? So there, I mean, you know, that that is literally video games have hardwired going off the edge of the screen kills you. And then there are older games where going off the edge of the screen is required, you know? So it is, it's kind of difficult to to wire both things into your brain, you know? It'd be, it'd be really frustrating if in all this time the industry had not settled on one of those things. Because then you'd constantly have to be mentally juggling. Like, is the edge of the screen friend or foe? Like, (laughs) what happens when I get over there? Yep. And then there'd be, you know, giant subreddits about it. Um, (laughs) So there are two two things on visuals I want to make sure that I touch on. So one of them is um, the, 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 the lesser of the two, which is that enemies can perfectly overlap. They can overlap in general. They can also perfectly overlap yeah. you with, know with so, no sprite flicker or anything it, it's like uh what, what wasn't there like a military that was famous for like marching in a column Lohan, dude oh was it the well no they but they weren't a military i'm talking like thousands of oh. soldiers oh maybe i don't know i just remember that thing that sifu always told us with like the lohans yes and yes the, perfectly... but that was like 18 dudes yeah, yeah, it was 18 dudes, which is why why sometimes my handle is 19th Lohan, because nobody ever takes that, and so it's pretty consistent. So, yeah, that, that's why when you're like 18, I'm like, there's 19. Oh, no, wait, yeah, I'm you're, 19. You're 19. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so enemies can perfectly overlap. Uh, this this may seem like a relatively minor note. It honestly is, but it, uh, it, it, it done got me a couple of times, so I felt the need to write it down, because uh, the cycle time on this game is... Um, well, we'll get into that in mechanics. But when you kill a bad guy and you think you it, so, so basically, th- this is a game where every hit matters. You know, if you get if you if you get struck like that, that 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 super matters. And again, it's it's entirely fine for a game to do that. You know, uh, but that being said, is that um, games that are like that have to be aggressively fair. You know, to where like it, it's the, the the game makers sign a pact with the player that this is how the game works. This is the way the game always works. You know, so when I would kill a snake, and it turns out that right as I shot that snake, it 
King Piccolo opened its mouth and <laughs> fired another snake at me to to eat my lunch. That is supremely frustrating because again, I think initially you only get like four hit points basically. So uh, it's I want to say it's like seven. It it's hmm. it's more than you think, but it's not nearly enough for how easy it is to get got in the first stage. Right, and 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 get got for something that wasn't my fault. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so how whatever the number is, it it ain't enough. Yeah, it's not like you know. <laughs> Uh, how many hit points do you have left? Well, you can't answer that question. You can just get a general feel for how, how they look. It's like, okay, on, on a scale of 1 to 85, how many hit points do you have left? You know, so it's not like you have hundreds of hit points. It's like, ah, you know, I've got 87 hit points and I took 3 hit points of damage, whatever. It's, it's, it's not nothing. And so the fact that on visually enemies can perfectly overlap, I found uh, I, I, it works to my chagrin a number of times. Um, the the other thing, and so I, I want I, I literally I don't I'm not a hundred percent firm on this. So if you can enlighten me, I am uh, more than happy for you to do so. That being said, is the 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 visual for walking um, is 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 a little bit more involved than most NES era games because, for example, uh, Link when he walks. His feet just go like literally. There's a a, a yeah. It's, it's a single frame. single frame animation. Just that's it. Uh, Pitt seems to have more than that. Um, at, yeah, I believe his, that there's his his little uh, his little walk animation is like weirdly lovingly crafted. It is. The issue though is that there are frames of it in which he is in motion and you cannot stop if that is the animation that is playing when you stop pressing the control. Yeah, dude, go dude has to, momentum. Right, exactly. So um, so that's the thing. Is that, that's the way it feels. Is it feels that you're, you've got momentum, that you're constantly on ice. The reason why is because he has a mid-range animation and it can't... That doesn't make any sense for him to be stopping in like this weird crane position going full kung fu on this one. So it does, that doesn't make any sense. So they just finish out the animation, which makes him take another step, which means he moves forward another, you know, couple of pixels, right? But that makes you feel like you're, in my, from my seat, perpetually on ice, you know? It feels like there's just a little bit of slipperiness between how you move. And I feel like the game developers knew that because literally the second stage is you being on actual ice? So I feel like that's them saying like, no, 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 no. I know you think you're on ice because when we had a bunch of people play test this, they said that they thought they felt like they were on ice. So this is what ice feels like. Then, you know, they kind of went from there, you know? So, uh, so that was one thing that I, I didn't really care for, but I thought it was interesting. At least what I feel the causal reason is, I thought was fascinating because a lot of times it's just, they have momentum, they carry. But in this case, I think it's because they literally were unwilling to end the walking animation on that mid frame. So, the walking animation is I'm I'm gonna make a bold claim and say like almost frame for frame the same walking animation that Samus Aran has in the original Metroid because she also takes fairly large deliberate steps for the era, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a fairly sophisticated animation for the era, and she also felt like she had some kind of momentum on, on certain actions. And so I, I agree with you that it leads to a sort of imprecise 
right? Like things don't feel like the, they're pixel perfect because when you jump onto a platform, you have that little like hop, hop, like step. Hop. And yep. at first, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I was like, oh, this feels like so slippery, right? It, it feels like every time I land on something, it's covered in Crisco. And then because his little leg walking, jumping, landing animation is so detailed, I guess is probably the best term for it. At some point I started to internalize it as like he is landing from a tremendous height or as if he was like carrying a tremendous burden. So like that little stagger step is like, as he's falling, it's like, Oh, I'm falling from a great height. And so I have to like take this little horizontal step to try and redirect some of my momentum. And that dumb little head cannon was enough to help me platform better. Like Mm. I don't, think the player should necessarily have to make up an entire story about a, <laughs> a four frame animation. But like once I just accepted like, Oh, every time you cannot land on the last pixel of a platform because then he will just walk off the platform. You have to land knowing that he's going to take that, you know, extra single step or, or the, complete the motion or however you want to think of it. And that like, like I just internalized that little like kind of stepping motion. And that helped me aim my jumps better. Kind of like how in Castlevania, you just have to learn like, yeah, once you jump, you're into it. So like you start to think of your jumps as what's going to happen in the future. Like what is going to be the future state of the stage when I press the jump button? Cause I can't take it back. It's that same for me. It was that same kind of mentality. Right. And it's definitely something that, that, that one can adapt too right it's not it's not game breaking by any means and i mean and 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 honestly it's 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 game feel you know so yeah pit pit handles not sloppily because it's consistent you know yeah it is a hundred percent consistent even on right. the ice he still takes that one little step but he's sliding while it's happening right exactly so um so it's very very consistent which means that it can be internalized um which is great uh but that being said is that i thought it was fascinating as to the reason why which is what i wouldn't because you'd think like that the way that the character handles would be a deliberate choice you know um but again mario when he walks is it's just kind of a a a one frame you know he's just walk 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 walks uh link when he walks same thing you know uh but when you've got like at least a if not two walk frame animations then now all of a sudden your character inherently handles a little bit sloppier. And, you know, for me, I was always just picturing that he was doing the superhero landing, you know? Totally. Yeah. It feels exactly like that. Yeah. But, uh, but that's really bad for your knees. You it know? is really so. bad for your knees. Um, I think it's interesting to compare this to Mario because Mario absolutely has momentum, but only when he's running. And mm-hmm. there's a visual affordance to show you that, like, if you're running to the right and then you, you know, hammer left on the D pad he does kind of like a a cartoony like with like the elbows up and the knee out. Right. So like, because that visual is so in your face, Mario is probably like, if you actually looked at, you know, the, the speed curve, when you want to change directions, he is probably more slippery than Pitt is, but because it's such a difference in telegraphing Pitt feels slippery until you're like, you, you you basically it's uh it's like the drow 
like subtle finger sign language. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, once once you speak it, you understand it. But until you do, it just looks like someone's trying to pick something out of their fingernail. Like it's it's too subtle. And then eventually you internalize it and it's fine. But with Mario, it's super in your face. So you're like, oh, he's got momentum. Look, look at how hard he's working to change direction. So you 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 work to internalize it much, much earlier. Well, and also too, in that situation, you there's there's a run speed and a walk speed, you know? Yeah, which Pit um, super does not have. Correct. Yeah, like Pitt Pitt's got one speed, right? So then that that kind of feels like that should handle a certain way. So uh for example, in, in more modern games, right? Um uh you've got uh let's take Borderlands Borderlands, any of them, um, <laughs> versus a game like Overwatch, right? So in Borderlands, you have to hit R3 to sprint. Uh in Overwatch, you're just always sprinting all of the time. That being said, though, is that um, if and I think that Borderlands handles similarly, but if in Borderlands when I'm walking I can turn on a dime, but when I'm running, I I have to like arrest that momentum. That would feel right. If in Overwatch, even though I'm probably moving at the same speed because that's my walk speed, that's the speed I'm moving at all the time. It would feel weird if I was carrying as much momentum as though I was running. So basically, the idea being is if you've got one speed, then that's your walk light jog speed and then if you've got two speeds then the second speed is i'm running at a dead sprint whatever that speed actually is in the game that's the way i think that the brain kind of internalizes it so when you've got mario like dead sprinting as hard as he can it makes (laughs) sense that he'd need to arrest that momentum but if that was his only speed then arresting that momentum would feel slippery you know because he's not running he's just just how fast this plumber on meth runs you know so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's why Drano's blue. It's just, it's just all mess. That's how that's, that's how they smuggle it. That's right. Um, the one other thing I want to say about the visuals is because uh, I, I didn't mention this when I described kind of like the zigzag layout. In between stages, uh, you have to go through a fortress, and the kind of novel thing about the fortress visually is that in the fortress you can move in all directions. So sometimes there's ladders that go up or down. Sometimes there's doorways to the left and right. So the, you know, the first leaving the underworld stage is all vertical platforming. The overworld is all horizontal platforming, right? No screen wrapping there because you can't have screen wrapping on horizontal platforming. Um, but you were going to, to make Groundhog Day the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So the, the but it's not Groundhog Day the game. So it's It's not. This is the one exception. Um, But the the fortresses are very visually distinct. Um, It's some of the only, unless you count the rooms, it's it's some of the only interior space you're ever in. So they make sure that there's floors and walls and ceilings and columns and the ladders instead of stairs, whatever. Um, But like, so you you feel like you're in a building with multiple rooms and multiple floors. Um, they're all, they have totally different palettes, just like the, the different worlds do. So you end up, um, you're, you're never confused, right? Like, you know, when you're in the underworld, you know, when you're in the overworld, you know, when you're on your way to the sky palace, you know, when you're in the sky palace and you know, when you're in the three fortresses in between. So it's just like, it's nice that they gave that immediate, like, Oh, I not only do I know, that I'm in a fortress, I can tell you which fortress I'm in based on the color palette, just like you would expect in, uh, in Metroid or Castlevania, or even way back in the original Zelda, they like each of the, the, uh, temples has like, or 
dungeons. Each of the dungeons has like a totally different palette so that you kind of know which one it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, and again, just to, to kind of close visuals for the sake of visuals, that's good, man. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a very good looking game. They're, they're not afraid to, you know, do, uh, for example, in the, um, uh, in, in the first stage, you know, the, the rock is that, that is red, but the pillars are like a bright blue, you know? Um, so those contrast really well. That's not all washed out or a singular color. It's, it's, it's very appealing to look at. Um, for the audio, I liked the music. Um, honestly, uh, it, 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 for me personally, with my chocolate ideas, I, I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't grating. I didn't have any problem with it. Um, because of some of the issues that I had with the mechanics, I heard it a lot. <laughs> and that's the, the negative side of it, which was that the, the intro bars, at least in the uh, first dungeon that you're in, um, are very unique and distinctive, which is good. But that being said, is that I heard it so many times that literally that intro became my Groundhog Day. You know, it was the the alarm going off because every time I heard that little like intro music, which I can't even hum right now, but uh, I, I was just kind of like, yeah, no, I know I screwed up. Thank you for that. It was almost my failure music. Yeah, and I mean, I had my my standard Ness complaint of like, oh, this is well thought out, well composed music that's using uh, all of the NES hardware to make rich harmonies. And God, I wish I could hear any of them because every single sound effect has to also use some of the NES hardware, which means the music has to duck out. They have to drop the baseline. They have to drop the high notes, whatever. And that I feel like this is always worth mentioning, even though it's now essentially come up for like almost every single NES game, certainly all the ones that have good music, but it, it's it's always a little bit of a bummer because this game does have good music. Like I'm I'm right yeah. there with you. Like the music is pretty friggin' solid, and so every time it ducks out, it's a little bit frustrating. The trade off has always been, and is also true in this game, which is when there are things making noises that has your attention, right? If you're getting hurt or if you're killing an enemy or if enemies are spawning or whatever's happening that is taking sound processing power channels away from the background music, you're also not sitting there humming the background music idly waiting for a bus. Like you're being attacked by beholders and you have to murder them. So there's like, this is just going to be a nest complaint. As long as we play nest games is like the music's great. I'd love to be able to hear all of it all of the time instead of having it constantly duck out, but it's just, it can't be helped. Um, yep. I I'm also in that weird place where I can't hum the opening part, but it's like, it's like having a word on the tip of my tongue. Like I, I can, I can hear it, but I can't produce it. So I'm I'm with you that it it's do 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 yeah that yeah thank you did you look that up or did you just have an epiphany uh the second one epiphany yeah okay um yeah that so it's like you know that that's it's not you know but it's pretty damn close like it's oh yeah is an iconic little piece of music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I and I felt that the uh, the sound effects for hitting, beating up bad guys, all that um, w- was the best compliment I can generally give for uh, NES era sound effects, which is inoffensive. You know, um, how how do you feel about you taking damage? Because I would describe that noise as 
offensive. It's like a, it's a weird, it, I, I think the way I have it in my notes is, um, uh, uh, it's the shudder of a beaten animal. It's, it, it's like, it, like if you've ever owned a cat or been to somebody's house who owns a cat and you like accidentally step on its tail or you like you, you know, the, the rocking chair like swings down and like crushes the cat's tail and they go like, ah! like that's what it sounds like when you take damage, which is super effective because it makes you never, ever, ever, ever want to take damage ever. It's just, it's, it's a weirdly grating noise. And also like, and I, I don't, I don't want to make a big deal out of this, but like, you're supposed to be this like, you know, angel warrior who's like going off to save like God essentially. And when you get hit and you go like, eh, like it, it, it just feels weird. It's it's like this simpering, whimpering noise. You know what it is? Um, the reason why it didn't ping on my radar is one. I, again, I, I wasn't very good at this game for reasons I'll get into in mechanics. Um, my fault mostly. Uh, but <laughs> the thing is that, you know what it reminded me of? So, so basically I got hit a lot. Um, and every time I got hit, I got very, very frustrated because I, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to play this game. I need to get further through this game. So that way I can experience the game. Um, and I can't because I'm not good at it. Um, <laughs> so I was processing all those emotions. It sounds like the first three quarters of Pac-Man dying. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a whoop whoop. It's just not that little last bit, you know. So I, to me, I, I just you know, I, I guess I just made that connection in my head of like you know, oh yeah, it's 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 Pac Man, you know. Um, it's not particularly loud either, so um, it just didn't didn't like grate on me too bad in the sense of you know if if it was ramped up or or more um more screechy than just kind of a high pitched noise. I will definitely say it is antithetical to you being an angel warrior out for death, you know, like it's uh it's definitely like a <laughs> um but that being said is uh yeah it it I, I don't know why that just connected to Pac-Man dying and my brain then just moved on. Yeah it it's not it's not experience ruining. It's just it's the only sound effect I could think of that was like abrasive but it's it's the, also the best sound effect to be abrasive, right? It's it's the one you never want to hear because it means you done messed up. So right. I, you, you know, you have entered a failure state. Yeah, yeah. P- points for applying it correctly, I guess. Um, the the reapers uh, when they spot you and then they summon the reapets, that little tone music, it's like a little melody. Yeah, hate that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no good. And it goes on forever. Yeah, un- like until you until you stop fearing the Reaper, it stays. It, it like Blue Oyster Cult stays. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No, I forgot about that one. So I don't know why I didn't write that down. That's no. That was that was very very frustrating, and especially because the 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 thing that I had with the Reapers. Um outside of generally fearing them was that, and this kind of harkens back to visuals a little bit, uh, was that them seeing you tends to align with you dealing damage to them in the sense that like, if you're running up to them to shoot them, there's a higher chance of them seeing you. 
So the first half dozen times I shot them was also when they went into their, aha, I saw you thing. And so I thought that was me dealing them damage. I conflated those two things, you know? Uh, yeah. Because they, I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, they line up chronologically almost down to the second. So, yeah. So, you know, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm dealing, especially because even though sometimes I would hit them a couple of times, you know, but then they would turn around and see me. I was like, ah, so this is their second form or, you know what I'm saying? You know, like they, you have to hit them a little bit and then they get all crazed about you and, and whatever. So, uh, so yeah, I didn't, didn't, didn't care for that. Also did not care for the, the music associated with it. Yeah, there it's, it's, it walks a weird line between sound effect and music, right? Like it's not quite a melody, but it's also too long and complicated to just be a sound effect. But it, it, it's, it's almost like teasing circus music. It's like, right? Like it's just. And and I'll tell you again, just like taking damage, uh, it makes you want to end that situation as quickly as possible. So no, do you, sorry, I, I just pulled it up just to make sure. Sorry to interrupt, um, but uh, no, it, it's I would definitely qualify this as music because the the background music completely drops out. Oh right? yeah, yeah, this takes it, all channels. Yeah, and it goes do 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 do. I mean, it's 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 a melody. It repeats. It's that dude. That is music. It but it says it's grating and short. So yeah, yes, it is a a short, terrible phrase of music that repeats endlessly until you resolve the situation. And and unlike the main melody, that's you know kind of like deeper. You know the do 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 do. This is very high. I mean, again kudos because i don't want to like i need that to end (laughs) so it's like this is going to be a super niche reference for mostly just us but at one point in college we were um watching a video i remember this because we we weren't super close yet you know we had known each other for a few months right so we were watching a video on your computer that somebody had sent to you was like dude totally check this out you know and 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 it was one of those jump scare videos and Literally, you know, we were both staring at it very intently, and all of a sudden, the thing happened where it started letting out the screeching noise, and and the noise was so abrasive. I remember it like making both of us take two steps back from the computer, and then like I was split between run away, like get away from this, and then try to reach out to the computer to fix it, which was the same place you were at. And I swear to God, it felt like we were in that purgatory for hours you know but it was only three seconds but it felt like forever this isn't quite that bad but it is in that sense of i i need to stop this noise and it feels like it goes on way longer than it actually does because it's awful i must have blocked this out because i can't believe i didn't write this down to complain about right and that that's the thing (laughs) is just like the damage noise it's it's hard to fault them for it because it's horrible on purpose this isn't an accident Right. It's yeah. not like they're like, oh, we, yeah, it turns out this sound or this little melody is kind of grating and we didn't really think about it. Like, no, this is 100% deployed as like an emotional tool to make the player respond in a certain way under certain circumstances. So I don't love it. But the easiest way I think to tell that uh, it's doing its job correctly is if you were watching someone else play this game, 
I don't think you would have that immediate visceral reaction, but when you are under duress and you're like, Oh God, the reapers calling <laughs> the reapets and they're going to swing down here and they're going to murder me and I got to kill him as quick as I can. Right? Like, so, but if you don't have the controllers in your hand, you don't feel that way. So the, the music is as grating as the situation makes it plus however high screechy they made the notes. <laughs> I, w- I will say though that, you know, if, if literally there was a stage in the game that had this as the music, I would mute the game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same. I would probably deal with it. If, if you know, the stage started, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I don't need this. And I would just <laughs> mute that. Yeah. So, uh, so again, the fact that it's not the, um, the music for a stage is, is good. They knew not to do that, but yeah, yeah, man, that's rough. Um, so you, you reminded me of this story that is uh, not related, but it's just a funny story. Uh, so cool. one of our, our mutual friends in college, uh, he was a big fan of those jump scare videos and uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, yeah. we were over it at, uh, I think you were actually living there by that point, but we were yeah. at, at his, his place. Uh, and he was like, Oh, Hey, come check out this video. And I was, you know, walking into his room and I saw, I think he had like new grounds or, you know, whatever e-bombs world or something, which was like famous for housing, that kind of crap. <laughs> And I just remember very clearly saying, um, if this is a jump scare video, I'm going to hit you. And he was like, no, no, dude, it's not, it's not. And, and it was, and I did. And I think it's important that when you make a threat like that, that you deliver so that people know never to do that again. And he never did. Well, that's the thing is because I don't make threats. I make promises. Yeah. And and the the thing is, I didn't, he was still all upset at you. Like he was like, you know, how in the world could you, he's like, what, what was that for? It's like, I, I told you. I told and again, you. this is <laughs> where it comes down to is because I've said this to so many people because similar, I, I also run into that where I'll say to somebody, if you do a, I will do B and then they do a, and then they get all shocked, shaken, upset that I've made good on my promise. You know, like I'm a man of my word. Um, so the thing that's frustrating about that is that I've literally said to people, I am the bullet in the gun. The minute that you, that I tell you the conditions under which a thing will happen and then you satisfy those conditions, I'm not the, like, I, I'm, I'm Rick. I just want to be a blitz and chit. <laughs> well, the, and the, the thing that really bugged me about that is, uh, you know, we had known this person for a considerable length of time at this point. In fact, I had known them considerably longer than you had at this point. Um, and uh, I don't like to be scared. I startle easily. I don't like horror movies. It's not my thing. I don't make that a secret. I don't pretend to be yeah. a tough guy. So when someone who knows that I'm not into those kinds of things and that I don't find them funny and that I preface with, if you do that thing that we both know, I don't find funny to me, I'm going to make you pay for it. And then I deliver on that commitment. Uh, yeah, I, I lost no sleep over that. And hopefully yeah. he had a big bruise. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the Reaper audio is not quite as bad as that purgatory. Um, but it, it definitely makes you want to take action. Yep. Uh, gameplay? Uh, gameplay. Yeah, yeah. C- controls and mechanics time it is. All right. So uh, actually, literally, my top note is uh, good gating mechanics right out of the gate, specifically dealing with the screen wrapping. So, uh, you know, just to make sure that we touch on that again, mechanics, because it, it's not just a visual, it's a mechanic. Um, that being said, the shots that you fire, so the screen wraps and the enemies wrap, the shots that you fire 
emphatically do not rap. Worse than that, if you are in transit of rapping, there is a Correct. little window in which your shots don't fire at all. Yeah, which is just bananas not cool. And again, in a game where the cycle time is so... Um, oh, I can say it now. I don't like the cycle time in this game. Um <laughs> I'm teasing it out. Now I can say it I'm in the right section. Um, but anyway, in a game where the cycle time is, is in my opinion, punishing. Um, so again, as we said, every single hit counts. When all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I know these snakes are coming. So I'm going to sneak onto the side of the screen and start firing. And then all of a sudden, you know, my, my gun does the Looney Tunes thing where the barrel just melts. And I'm like flaccidly whipping it around, you know? I'm like, what what just happened? And then I get hit and I'm like, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. I, I had an, a crazy realization about this game, which is that uh, they accidentally made an action RPG and didn't design a game engine that supports it being an action RPG. Unless you know it's an action RPG with a game engine that doesn't support it. It's impossible <laughs> to be successful because when you go into the game, you have very little health, as you said. Uh, your, your shots don't travel all that far and they don't do all that much damage, which we both said, right? Like there's a lot of, a lot of you being like, oh my God, my, my avatar is not very strong. I'm going to have to get good. However, they built in mechanics that, uh, if you get good enough, you level up in between stages and you get more health. There's a room where you, if you have killed enough enemies and not taken enough damage, uh, your arrow gets stronger. And so they put you in this insane situation where you have to get to a certain level of goodness. The upgrades are mandatory to have any chance of being successful in later stages. And then you have to continue to perform at that level. And and I, I find this bizarre because usually the reason you include power-ups is to decrease the difficulty for people who are willing to seek out the power-ups. Correct. Normally it's a negative feedback loop. In this case, it's a positive feedback loop. Right. But they created like the rooms you have to go into, which are like little shops, but you can only go in once. So if you go into a room to buy something and you don't have enough hearts, uh, too damn bad. We're actually closed for the day because you cannot go out and farm hearts and then go back in. You have to know that you have enough hearts before you go in. You have to know you've killed enough enemies before you go into the room where you get the arrow upgrade. You have to know you've killed enough enemies before you finish the stage so that you have a high enough score to get the level up so that you get more health because the difficulty of the game scales with an expectation that you have been acquiring these upgrades, which makes me ask, why are there upgrades at all? Like, why why not just lift this out and and i don't mean this in a rhetorical or in a like a yeah rhetorical way because i felt good when i got more health and i felt good when my arrows flew farther and did more damage but they just made enemies that took more hits and they made enemies that hit you more often and so your avatar doesn't actually really get any stronger and you don't really get powers that allow you to solve like new and different problems. You can just take more hits and you hit harder, but you also get hit more and harder. So it kind of levels out, but, but it's like, it's, 
I think it's there like just to make you feel good. You're just like, oh, I got, and and I mean that like sincerely, like, oh, I got more health. When you get the arrow upgrade, like your the color on your avatar changes. And so it's like when Link gets the different armor and his tunic changes, right? Like you feel good, but it doesn't actually make the game any easier or harder. It just makes the game playable. Especially because there's no backtracking as there is in Zelda, you know? So you never yeah. get to go back and see, yes, even though I am now fighting, you know, level 17 demon or s class demons now i'm going fighting s class demons i can go back and just wail on some d class demons and you know turn them to ash um also too uh one throwaway thing is that um the a way because like you said everything's hot garbage at first and you don't really even know that you're supposed to be farming hearts or collecting or anything like that this is a great place where what they should have included is an abilities you know where like Mm. literally the first half of a first stage is you with all of your power-ups and then you get hit or whatever medusa captures you which actually happens in the thing and you lose all of them and now you know to look out for that stuff you know to actually go seek it out because you know that it exists in the game and you've and and then they've they again they've trained you the player to know to want and need this stuff you know so if if i had to speculate i bet the abilities started to become a common game design tool around the time they stopped creating super detailed instruction manuals because you do know that you need to farm hearts. You do know that you only get one shot at the rooms. You do know that your score absolutely matters and exactly when they're going to check it. So like you, you know, you can keep filling out answers on the test until this point, right? Like you do know all those things. If you read the entire manual and you like internalize all of it, the game tells you none of that, but in abilities would and abilities would tell you these are things that can exist in this game and that you should care about. But instead they're like, we hope you read the manual. Otherwise you're going to die. You're not going to make it past the second level. Yep. It's like, did you read the manual? No, you're going to have a bad time. Um, but actually, though, another kind of this this leads me very elegantly into one of my my main points, um, which is uh, so you said, you know, if you don't know that the shop's closed, then you're hosed. If you don't know where this thing is, you're hosed. If you don't have somebody on your Twitch stream feeding you information on how to play the game, you're hosed. Right. Um, so we've talked about this a number of times on the channel before. Um, but since these are evergreen episodes, I'll, I'll kind of give a brief primer on the concept of plan, practice, improvise. Right. So. There's it's basically the idea of three. It's a taxonomy that kind of includes three different types of gameplay um, that a game can focus on. Now you can either use one exclusively, you can use a mixture of all three, which most games typically do. Um, but so there's improvisation, improvisational gameplay, which is when you are expected to beat that portion of or the entirety of the game in one go, right? So the idea is so like spelunky, roguelikes, things like that. You know, that's uh, improvisational gameplay practice gameplay is the antithesis of that where you are expected to not beat it in the first go so you're expected to learn where everything is you're expected to uh kind of memorize the map and the layout and the satisfaction there is in honing the skill that's required in order to beat this thing and then um plan gameplay is a little bit of both um which is to say that you 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 know enough about the game and the mechanics and how it works to create a plan on how things should go, but you're kind of forced to improvise along the way. Uh, Magic the Gathering, chess, things like that are are planned gameplay. I say all that to say this, is that this game is practice gameplay. It is hard, hard, hard practice gameplay. I would say that there is nil improvisational or planned gameplay. If it exists, it exists 
I'd say improvisational does not exist at all. And planned gameplay, if it exists, exists very, very minimally. You are expected to play this game over and over and over and learn all of that stuff over time. Yeah. The the closest you come to improvisation, and this is going to sound like a jab, and it is. Um, <laughs> there are times when the game engine bugs out and enemies clip through the floor, or clip through a wall, or they they spawn in a way that their sprite is on screen, but it won't hurt you. And usually it's pretty obvious visually, like it's really clear that something has gone wrong. And if that happens, you absolutely must adjust on the fly, right? But that's, you. I don't think anyone could in good faith say like, oh yes, they included those bugs in the game engine to add some improvisational gameplay design elements. Yeah. No, I would say that that's, so if improvisational gameplay is generally, you know, you accidentally uh, okay. If improvisational gameplay is you accidentally uh, grab the sweet roll off of the counter in Skyrim and now you've murdered seven people and are on the run from the law, right? If that's improvisational gameplay, then what you've just described is all of a sudden everybody in town aggros to you for no particular reason. So what you described is the Baldur's Gate Icewind Dale situation <laughs> as opposed to uh, um, this. So so anyways, I say all that, and, and the one the one other thing that I just kind of want to mention to that point, which is that this is hard, hard, hard planned gameplay, um, or practice gameplay. So with that in mind, um, I don't, I've, I've, I learned something about myself playing this game, which is that when we are playing games from nostalgia goggles, I don't like practice games. And the reason why is because I don't feel that I have enough time and to be fair, I would not dedicate enough time. Like, I don't, this is not where video games fill a niche in my life anymore. You know, um, when I was eight and had all the time in the world, you know, then absolutely. I just threw hours just getting, feeling that goodness of being able to perfectly duck, move, weave, shoot, all of that. And, and again, I don't, I don't begrudge people who do that with their free time. I, I, it's, it's, it's a fine way to, to spend your time. It's just not how I'm spending my time. And so on games like this, I struggle because I, I'm like, I wish I had the time to really throw at this to get good, and I just don't. So by extension, I find practice gameplays frustrating, you know? Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not as anti-practice gameplay as you are, but I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I mostly vote for your party. So like, <laughs> there's... And for for the same reasons, right? I'm just like I don't, I don't have time to have another massive source of frustration in my life. I'm an adult. I have enough sources of frustration, right? And but but here's where I want to give this particular playthrough experience its its fair due, which is uh, because I ended up accidentally having the little brother experience with like the older brother cheering, not just telling me what to do, but like cheering me on, like hardcore, like dude, you got it. Like, I know you were so close and then you died, but like, you'll get it this time. Just like, just super, super supportive. Um, to the point where, uh, someone else who's regularly in the stream, uh, actually was like, who are you right now? Because <laughs> they also know that I don't normally just grind my, you know, it's like, uh, in, uh, the, the, the parable of like the, the crow, like pecking through the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just, or the raven, whatever. Um, like I just, I normally don't really enjoy that kind of gameplay, but I realized under the, a very specific set of circumstances where it's like, 
a social experience and the stakes are very low because if I can't overcome the, the, you know, skill challenge, like I'm not going to lose anything out of it. Right. But it it's, it can be fun to be doing something really hard and have people genuinely being like, no nah, man, you got it. You got it. Right. It's like, uh, it, it, you know, if you like for weightlifters, it's like when, you know, people in the gym, like see you're trying to like measure your bench max or your squat max or something like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you got it. And there's like strangers like calling out to you and you're just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that kind of, you know, the reason people like live sports. Um, mm-hmm. that being said, uh, that's a difficult set of circumstances to just deploy on command. It's hard to say, you know, I, it's hard to say I enjoy this ingredient in a sandwich. If I only enjoy it when I don't know it's there and can't taste it. Right. <laughs> like it's right. So, yeah. so I, I did genuinely enjoy the practice gameplay of this game on this playthrough, but that's an exception very much not the rule well i would make, correct and i would make the argument that it's it's kind of a situation where you are clutching a type of gameplay that this game was not designed to support which is that you know this is you're clutching the fact that the game was designed to be challenge gameplay with social gameplay you know yeah, totally so yeah so i mean like the thing is it's like this game was not made to be a social game you know this is not a borderlands this is not you know like it, it's it's not designed to be that you know um it can be that i mean like you know you can be super into the narrative of mario it just <laughs> that's your jam you know i mean you can create like this whole headcanon and and kind of get do a deep dive in it i mean for example you know the 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 movie the Lorax was not meant to be a deep dive on the economics of Sneedville, but I have been plumbing those depths because I've watched it fifteen times in the last two weeks, you know. Uh, but if somebody said to me like, you know, hey, I'm looking for a good movie about <laughs> city economics, I wouldn't recommend the Lorax, you know. <laughs> have you know. heard of this little known gem, the Lorax? It's real, <laughs> got some real Keynesian vibes. I tell you what, if I did that, that that's that's actually because of the weirdness of their economics. That'd be like recommending, you know, the Call of Cthulhu. You know, for somebody <laughs> who's just looking for a nice chill read, it's like, no, read this book. This book is amazing. We well, all love this book. What <laughs> if you really wanted to screw with that person and maybe never have to talk to them again after they came back to you and they were like, dude, the Lorax, like that's there's no interesting economic stuff going on there. You just be like, ah, you know sex cells <laughs> yeah there you go really makes you think um <laughs> so um yeah so the uh the other thing i wanted to mention um and uh, you know i i i didn't play enough to really truly substantiate this and, and you certainly played more so let me let me know if i'm if i'm way swinging swinging off base on this but um I didn't, I felt the mechanics were pretty complicated as far as like how the ARPG all tied together. You know, um, the reason why is because uh, one is the visuals didn't really tell me what anything did. Um, and then I did try reading the manual and I was like, oh, man, like this is, it, it is not as bad as, but it is on par with some of the SOPs we have at my chemistry work, you know? I try not to punish the people who are doing their best to translate Japanese into English in a way that fit in this space and that described these things and all like that. That being said, 
I absolutely can still penalize them for it not telling me what I need to know to be successful because a lot of the manual reads like a manual. It reads like board game rules where they literally say, do this, don't do that. And then there's other things that are like just ever so slightly poetic. And it's like, how would you like me to interpret this? Cause it can be interpreted more than one way and everything else in here reads like, you know, stereo instructions. Yep. Yeah. No, there's like, okay, well, so you have to get a certain score. If you get a certain score, then you can do this. Uh, but you can also exchange hearts for other stuff. Now um, you can also buy some stuff on credit, but once you use credit, then you can't use credit again until you've paid back the shopkeeper. Now, if you want to, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here reading this thing and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm expected to understand how all of this works while making split second decisions in the middle of gameplay. That's real dissociate dissociative as, as far as what, the, what is the cognitive load of this game? You know, because if I'm expected to be making, you know, these split second decisions and saying like, okay, well, do I want the hearts or am I trying to increase my score? Or am I trying to like what I'm trying to chug a whole lot of mechanics. And again, to me, the thing that broke me on it was the credit card, not just from a visual <laughs> standpoint, but again, mechanically, I'm like, why does this mechanic exist in the game? It's an extra level of complexity that I'm not sure what, specific service it says and it's not this bad but it's in the same cat it's in the same ballpark as the coins in jekyll and hyde where i'm like <laughs> what why does that mechanic exist you know and then same here it's like oh well there's also a credit card it's like or just give me some more hearts and then i'll buy the stuff directly you know well, well so there's a shop and then there's the evil shop where there are certain items you can only buy in the evil shop, but they're really expensive. So you save the credit card to use in the evil shop because screw that guy like that. I'm serious. Like this is how this was explained to me is like why this mechanic exists. And I'm like, neat. I'm all for world building. Did this world need exploitative uh, shop owners that you stiff <laughs> by using a canceled credit card in their place of business. <laughs> what? Yeah. Why, why any of that? Yeah, exactly. And, and so, like I said, like that just seemed really complicated for, and, and again, compare that to Zelda where, um, and again, that is that fair? No, but I'm going to do it. Um, so, you know, where it's like, okay, I got, I got more hearts, more hearts means more life. Got it. I got, and, and again, hearts as currency. I know games did it a lot in this day. I don't really like that, you know, just because it is hearts are life, you know, I mean, dude, it, it's exactly like vertical platforming it at the time it was still up for debate and history did not fall on that side of the fence. Correct. But you know, it's like in Zelda, it's, it's, you know, I got another heart. Okay. I can take more, more hits. Got it. Um, I got rupees. Rupees can be exchanged for stuff like a bigger shield. Bigger shields protect me better. Okay, cool. Um, I can get a candle. Candles burn things. It's like, all right, but then this other candle, I can burn multiple things at the same time. Like these are all very intuitive through use, you know? Um, I got this uh, giant bracelet that lets me move rocks now. You know, all right. Um, but again, you know, if, if sometimes I could buy stuff with rupees, but sometimes I had to buy it with a credit card. And then sometimes I used my score, but sometimes I used hearts. And then sometimes I, and sometimes I would run into an icon while walking around that I would pick up, but then I don't know what to do. I mean, in Zelda, it was either rubies or hearts, man. That's what things dropped. Rubies, hearts, or, or an arrow, like something that very clearly linked to what it was supposed to do. I still don't really know. What do the hammers do? Uh, the hammers 
are and I think I'm I think they spell this out in the manual, but I mean manual's got a thousand rules, so I wouldn't be surprised if you <laughs> yeah. just you know, because it's literally like board game instructions, right? It's like here's the thousand rules, now go apply them to the game. The difference is in a board game, you can go, wait, how does this part work? You can't do that right. in a video game. Um right. the hammers, uh, when you're in the fortresses, there's other angels that have been turned to stone by Medusa, and you can use the hammers to free them from the stone, and then they will help you fight the boss of that fortress. Mm, right? So like Yeah, that's real convoluted. It it is real convoluted, but it, it's one of those it like exactly like a complicated board game. When you see someone yeah. play the game with a high level of skill, you're like, oh, there's like lots of interesting mechanical things going on here. And then when you try to learn those mechanical things so that you can have the interesting experience, that's where it's like, I hope you not only read the manual, but also deeply internalized it or that you are able to throw the necessary amount of time at the game to start to internalize these things. And for us at this stage, we, we, we don't, and we're not. So, so one, the uh, brief aside, and I'll stop hammering this is that in a, in when you're doing a process map in lean, right. And I promise this links back is um, <laughs> just stay, stick with me. Just stay with me. Just, 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 just bear with me. Okay. So I, I promise this will be less convoluted than this manual. So <laughs> <laughs> um, there are, there's, you basically map out kind of how the process works, right? And there's two types of things. There are process squares where you write down, you do thing A, and then if that links directly to the next thing, you put down another process square and you say, now do thing B. And then there are decision diamonds, right? Which is when you run into a thing, you put up a diamond and it's like, you know, yes or no. And then that leads you down two different paths and hopefully those two paths reconnect. Um, It has been my experience that if you have three or more decision diamonds consecutively, you are going, you're asking for a mistake to be happened because you're asking for somebody to chug too much, make too many decisions too quickly, you know? So like if you have step A, step B decision, step D, E, F decision, like that's fine. The humans can work with that. But if it's decision, then which links into another decision, which links into another decision, nope, that's too complicated. And literally I've said to people while we're mapping out decisions, I'm like, we have to break this up. We have to either automate this, take this decision away, but this is too many decisions. We're going to have quality problems. This manual exemplifies multiple decision diamonds, right? Because where it's like, well, how does this work? Well, it works this way, unless this other, and literally the one that, that, that I've got up right now is um, water of life. When Pitt has got it, Pitt gets one measure of strength back. Okay. Um, water of life bottle. When Pitt has this, his strength recovers by one meter section when he has his strength down to zero. So it's like, does this make you recover life? Is your strength at zero? Yes. No. Okay. If the answer is no, then it does nothing. If it's yes, then you recover by zero. But then the thing is, you can only carry one unless you have the water barrel. Now, if you have the water barrel, you can carry up to eight bottles. And it's like, oh my God, like what? And this is all to get life. Like this is important, you know? So, but I'm reading this and I'm I'm just kind of like, I just, I can't. Okay. Sure. And and again, I'm sure I could internalize it over time, but definitely super complicated. Yeah. And and super complicated. And to me, the, the big issue with this is not that there are so many rules that they can't be internalized, which I would accept that argument, right? Like I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not true, but my big issue is that this to me reinforces why the hell do you not allow me to backtrack? Like, Oh, wait a minute. I go into a store and I find out that there's a barrel. And if I have the barrel, I can put eight waters of life in it. And the waters of life are auto used when I get to zero health. 
That sounds super useful. Sign me up. <laughs> I'm going to go out and farm hearts and then come back and buy that. Oh, I can't do that. I have to show up with enough money to make such a thing happen the first time. And it's like the fact that they built in this interesting mechanic around how you can like stockpile cure potions and then they don't allow you to do that (laughs) just seems it honestly like the the best term I come up for it is seems like a missed opportunity. If you could go back down or back to the left in any stage, if you could go in and out of rooms multiple times, this would be a completely different game. Maybe worse, maybe way, way worse, but it would be a very, (laughs) very different game. And I think it would be a better game. Yep. No, agreed. Um, Anything else for uh, gameplay? Uh, There is one other interesting mechanical thing I wanted to make sure we talked about. And I almost brought this up in visuals. Um, because it's it's tied very much to how Pitt looks when he's aiming his bow. Because when you're just standing, you obviously are going to shoot in the direction you're facing. So if you're facing right, you shoot right. If you're facing left, you shoot left. And you don't have to do anything except press the shoot button. Uh, but this game has a lot of places where enemies are coming down from the top of the screen and where you are moving up toward them. So you have to be able to shoot up and I actually felt like, yeah, it's pretty well executed, right? The fact that you can effectively shoot in three directions because you can't shoot down. When you hold down, you duck. Um, Mm -hmm. But that you can effectively shoot in all three of those directions. There were times where, and it's it's lightning fast, right? You instantly switch to the direction that you you press on the the D-pad. So you can pull off some pretty, like, last minute you know the beholder is like just about to get its tentacles on you and you basically shoot the arrow from so close you could have just like poked it with it like that's that led to some cool little like wider moments that i I felt pretty (laughs) pretty good about my my combat skills um and it's it's really critical that they nailed that since several times in the game they're like not only do some enemies come from the top all of them are going to come from above you because you're going up right? You're climbing this place. So I'm, I don't know if that took them a long time to nail down or if they just got that game feel on the first pass for that particular mechanic, but thank God they nailed down that mechanic. Otherwise the game would be literally unplayable. So, uh, two things. Um, actually beholders don't have tentacles. They have eye stalks. Um, (laughs) you are correct. The technically correct, <laughs> the best kind of correct. <laughs> no, see, we we watch that show. Um, Megan and I watch that show. Um, actually, and dude, there are some of them when I get them right, I just get so disproportionately excited. I, <laughs> I I I got one right today where I was just losing my mind. I'm like, I'm the smartest person that's ever existed. Uh, anyways, that being said, um, what? Because I may have just missed it. What in the game? lets you know or tells you to try shooting straight up? Uh, (laughs) The fact that all the enemies are coming from overhead. Yeah. I I, I honestly, if that's mentioned in the manual, I don't recall it. And the only thing I could think of in the game world is not only do a lot of the enemies come from overhead, but they don't, many of them do not move in a pattern that indicates eventually you will be able to get them by shooting left and right. A lot of them move in such a way that it's like you need to shoot up. 
And yeah. he has a real. The reason I said this almost came up in visuals is because if you even gently tap the up button by mistake, he very dramatically turns to the side and yeah, points the bow straight up in the air. Um, it's actually like his most aggressive posture because the rest of the time he just looks like he's walking. Right there isn't a separate, real dramatic bow firing animation. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's actually ever told to you or spelled out through gameplay other than they're coming. <laughs> Figure yeah. something out. So this is like one of those things where, you know, like I was today years old when I found this out, you know, like when it's, it's, you know, did you not know thing A? It's like, no, I was today, today years, years old. Like I was today years old when I found out that you actually die twice when your body gives out in the time somebody says your name for the last time. Um, so... <laughs> This is that where I went a long time, longer than I would like to admit in this game before I realized, oh, you can shoot up. This is game changing. This is <laughs> hypercritical. And the game became substantially easier once I made that realization. That's not to, again, I don't put that one on the game. That one's, I, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed by it, you know? Um, but I was just like, that's why I just felt the need to ask to be, to say, was this just something that through whatever bizarre and what I think it was, was that there were enough things early on that I found frustrating that when you had the enemies that would be super easy to shoot, if you could just shoot up, my brain said like, well, of course they put enemies in unfair places. Games of this era did that, you know? So I just assumed that the game didn't have a solution to this. Um, but that's why I asked is, is I was like, did, did, did I miss something? Because if I did, I just missed it. It, or I just literally, you know, it's it's kind of like the thing where yeah, you, know, you see somebody crack a soda and then they turn the bottle cap around and you know, so you can stick a straw in it and you're like, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I totally, I mean, I do that all the time, you know. Well, obviously, I mean, I I 100 came into this knowing already that you could do that. So if there's something in the game that clearly communicates it, if it was written down in the manual, I would have just glossed over it because I already knew that fact. Um, yeah, I'm actually not positive that they ever straight up tell you. I mean, or, you know, again, gate it in some way or put it in the manual or, or something like that. You know, again, it's 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 doable. It's manageable. I just just didn't do it. You know, yeah. um, the very last thing I have to say about mechanics, uh, just because I think this is worth giving props to games of this era that went out of their way to do this. This game doesn't only have a password system, the sacred words, um, but it's like a super complicated password system. It's like four, like six character words that can be capital letters, lowercase letters, numbers, and I think some punctuation. So you have a huge variety of passwords because it very accurately saves your game. So if you have, you know, two health power ups and one of the arrow power-ups and you're on this level and your score is X and you have this many wine bottles. Like I'm pretty sure it actually records all of that, which again, just makes me want to ask why the hell can I backtrack? Like, <laughs> because this is essentially, if you, if you think of this is as an action RPG that doesn't know it's an action RPG, like, Oh, okay. I got to the second level and I know that I need enough, you know, hearts to get, uh, the, the next arrow upgrade or whatever the next, you know, item that I need to buy, whatever. Like, so I'm going to farm some hearts and then I'll die and I'll get the password because they didn't want to put a battery in the cartridge. 
And then I can come back later and farm more hearts and get those other upgrades that I want. Or I have to finish the stage before I, you know, because when you die, you lose your hearts if they want to keep that mechanic. But at least I know that I can like go back to where the shop is or something, something like this game wants to be an RPG so bad. And then they accidentally made it a platformer. Like it's, (laughs) it's so bizarre. And the fact that it feels so much like Metroid, like the way the engine literally behaves feels like Metroid. It's almost like they took that game engine and they were like, well, we got to make it different than, than Metroid. Like we can't just make a, a Greek themed version of Metroid. Oh, we'll we'll just take out backtracking. It'll be like Mario where it's like linear progression straight through. And they forgot that that, I don't want to say breaks, but massively changes the implications of all the avatar strength elements, right? All the RPG elements now become, you better get them on the first pass because that was your only chance. Like to the point where uh, the person who was cheering me on in chat was like, I'm not trying to be a jerk. You literally need to start over. You cannot possibly get the resources you need to be successful based on the stage you've gotten to start the game over. And then I did. And then I had a much better time because then I was able to like slowly acquire the avatar strength that the game expects and demands that you have. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, hold up. So I really, at first pass, wanted to give this game full nostalgia goggles and just like crap all over it and be like, no, it's dumb. And it's, everybody likes this dumb, but the more reading the manual was a big thing. I was like, okay, I have to, I feel like I have to count this as part of the experience because they do expect you to read it. Um, I'm glad that that has gone out of fashion, but they did expect you to read it. It is part of the game. Um, I think they made some serious engine and mechanical uh, whiffs that would have, I think made the game more enjoyable. If you could backtrack and go in and out of shops more than once. And if farming wasn't such a friggin' chore, like there's, there's little things that would have made this a great action RPG, but it's not, it's a weird platformer. It's a really (laughs) weird platformer, but I actually think some parts of it are really smart. Like it looks great. It sounds great. There's a lot of interesting ideas here that in hindsight are really unpolished and really not that well thought out. Uh, so I, I settled on uh nostalgia monocle um, and, and I'm, I'm tempted to make like a, it flew too close to the sun, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Cause that feels like the kind of jab that would require full nostalgia goggles. And it's not, it's just a nostalgia it- monocle. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you know, the game may fall, fly too close to the sun, but if you were to make, like try to make that reference, then, you know, you wouldn't be Icarus, you'd be Daedalus, you know, and and that's that's not your jam, man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, it's 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 also Nostalgia Monocle, um, mostly because I do think the game is playable, it's enjoyable. It's just that if somebody said to me, hey, you know, should I play Kid Icarus? Like when I, I always come to, you know, who would I recommend this to? And I reasonably think I could recommend this to a large swath of people. I would just come with the caveat of you're spend a lot of time on it. You know, either don't spend any time on it or put aside, like make this the game you're playing for the next month, you know, so you can really enjoy it. You know, um, 
because even with reading the manual, even with everything else, you know, with every single affordance you could possibly get, it's still, I mean, in order to memorize where all, in order to internalize the way Pip moves, in order to internalize where all the enemies are, in order to internalize where all the items are, in order to internalize how exactly you have to rip off the bad shopkeeper with the credit card. And in order to do all of that, it just, it takes time. Me and said, Why in the world would you recommend this game to me? I'd be like, I don't know, man, sex sells. The curtain falls, the music plays, the credits roll, then it all fades to black, and you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone, there's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land, battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand, your memories creeping. The edge of a smile You realize again What you lost for a while You're gonna think back much less On how you saved the day Than on all The experience gained At the end of it all Gamers play what we play Half our game Uh, Magic the Gathering, chess, things like that are, are improvisational game. Or sorry, are, are pra- planned pra- planned gameplay. You got there in the end. I got, I got there. Can you just cut all that out? Um, <laughs> Hell no. And this, and this part, the me of me asking you to cut it all out, can you cut that out too? Uh, so um, now I'm just interested in what, what all of this is going to make it in. Um, that's why I listen to the episode.